0: Welcome to this week's sermon from Amblecote Community Church. Thanks Vanessa. Good morning church. That's good. That's good amongst friends. I think you're friends. I think it's going to be all right. Um, It's a real, real privilege to be here this morning. Uh, I'm married to a wonderful lady called Rachel. Uh, We've been married 16 years. And uh, we have two children, Joel who's 13 and got his first girlfriend, not sure how to navigate it. I know, I know, I'm looking at his, some of his youth leaders to help me out there. And, uh, and uh, my daughter Naomi is with me this morning, she's 11 teen, and uh, beautiful and wonderful and uh, I'm very grateful to God for, for the family that he's blessed me with. Uh, I do indeed get to be one of the pastors at Springs Church in Gornal. Any Gornalites in the room? What are you doing here? Your church is back that way? Seriously. Unbelievable. If you don't know Gornal, Gornal is the promised land. Or Middle Earth. One of the two. I ain't entirely sure. It's a funny old place. But uh, we started a church there um, eight years ago, would you believe, um, in a pub mornings. And um, we started church in the pub and things started to get a bit rowdy in the pub on Sunday mornings. So we outgrew that little pub room and went to a bigger pub. And then um, that didn't really work because children and young families were coming and pub carpets on Sunday mornings after Saturday nights, no longer appropriate. And so then we met in a, a local primary school, this primary school that I went to as a kid and that my children uh, have both been to. And, um, and uh, we met there for nearly four years and then the whole COVID thing, remember that. And, um, and so then we went online and bizarrely the church grew during COVID online, thank you Jesus. And then uh, just recently, about 18 months ago, um, our friends at the local Methodist Church, uh, one of their churches, was be, uh, becoming available in terms of being able to rent, and so we've been rent- renting Zor Methodist Church in the middle of Gornal for a little while now. And uh, the church is growing, and it is my joy to report that church is healthy in Gornal. It's growing; people are coming to faith in Jesus for the first time. Is that good news? We've seen, we've seen healings over the last eight years. We've seen many people baptised over the, eight, uh, the last eight years. We've seen people, we've seen prodigals come back uh, to, to Jesus over the last eight years. We've baptised people in their 80s and people's in their teens. And I'm very excited because I don't know how God's doing it because I'm not brilliant. But he is and he's doing something very special. And uh, so it's my joy to report that the church is growing down the road. Is that good news? And it is good to be here today. This is a real privilege for me to preach in this church, on this platform, with you this morning. As an 11-year-old, I I sat kind of near where Tim Fellows is at the moment. It was one of the youth after-meetings. Did anyone ever come to those back in the day? So I'm talking about 20 years ago. Darren would definitely have been wailing on the guitar. And and, uh, I remember nervously raising my hands in worship for the first time in this room. And uh, this is a precious place for me. I've recorded albums in there and I've, and I've enjoyed the ministry of the humble Thunder Maker, Nick Burroughs. And uh, I love Frankie and oh, I've got friends. Oh, I feel so privileged to be here. All right. So if I mess up this morning, I, it doesn't matter. I've enjoyed it. All right. And so, um, listen, I'm, I'm not actually a qualified pastor, I don't have any certificates to say I'm allowed to do this. But God decided to call me to do what I'm doing anyway, which is hilarious. And I should really study and hunker down and get some paper at some point, maybe. But I am a qualified teacher. In fact, I taught you, didn't I, mate? In fact, I am a qualified teacher. Um, But you have a choice this morning. You can either come to class and sit in silence, or we can go to church this morning. Okay? So if you hear something of the truth of God that excites your spirit, and you go, I know that's true, I want to know, <laughs> I want to know that you know it's true. Is that okay? So if there's an amen, I'm okay with an amen. If there's a standing up and going, yes, Jesus, we're okay with that this morning, all right? If there's a heckling, Tim Barton will sort you out. But anything else, we're good with. Is that okay? All right. I'm so excited to be part of this teaching series because the I am statements of Jesus are so glum and important seven I am statements are made in the gospel of John and I like John because he was close to Jesus one of Jesus' best mates maybe even his first cousin he knew the Lord really really well and so he wanted us to know seven definite statements of Jesus seven definite statements of Jesus you see because you're a bible believing church is that right you will know that back in the days of Moses, God revealed himself in a burning bush. And Moses says, I can't go to the people. No one's going to believe that I've seen God. Who shall I say has sent me? And Moses said, I am me. My God, tell him the I am has sent you. What does the I am mean? I am means the everlasting one, the ever existing one who reveals himself. If he wants to reveal himself in a burning bush, he'll do it. If he wants to reveal himself through a talking donkey, he'll do it that is in the Bible. If he wants to do it by clothing himself in flesh and bone and being incarnate amongst us and be called Jesus Christ, then the great I Am will do exactly that. And that's what he did 2,000 years ago. These statements are so, so important. So before we get to today's I Am statement, let's get a recap of what Jesus had been doing before he gets to today's chapter 10 of John. Okay? So far, this is what Jesus had done. He'd been baptized by his cousin, the prophet John the Baptist. And the father had announced his son and the spirit descended on him all in one scene. That happened. How amazing. He called his first disciples. He goes and turns water into wine. A big hit with the locals. He's been to Jerusalem and he's kicked off in the temple because he's seeing the mess of of the temple that is being made. He's seeing people getting ripped off as they're trying to get right with God and he turns over tables and makes a whip and kicks people out of there and he sets the record straight. He's offended the academics with his ability to teach not not just words but teach with power because while they understood the Scriptures, they didn't realize he was the author of the Scriptures and so he's been teaching with authority and revealing God in the most brilliant way. He's spoken to a guy called Nicodemus, this kind of like on the quiet Pharisee who actually thinks Jesus is pretty cool. And, and he's told Nicodemus that to be saved, you need to be born again. That's a funny scene. He's been, uh, he, he's been to uh, the woman at the well and told her that she can have streams of living water. Do you remember that? He's healed an official son, he's healed a paralyzed man, he's fed 5,000 people, he's walked on water and asked one of his lads to join him as well. <laughs> He's gone against cultural retribution norms and caught in the act of adultery to sin no more and he forgives her. And then he heals a man born blind. And this is the context of chapter 9 before we reach chapter 10. This is what happens. Jesus and his disciples, they come across a blind man and the whole community knows that he's been blind since birth. And on the way, uh, as, they, as they're about to minister to this guy, his disciples say so to so Jesus, um, who sinned so that he would be blind from birth? Was he? No, no, it's, n- it's nothing to do with that. Uh, was he a sinner? Was it his mom and dad? Did they sin? And Jesus went, no, no, it's, n- it's nothing to do with that. He said, but this situation is the situation it is because on this day I will reveal who I am in this situation. And so Jesus approaches this man and he, and he does something very strange, very strange. I don't advise you to do it unless you are Jesus. Oh, you're not, so don't. He spits into some dust and he, and he crafts some mud and he takes it and he rubs it in this blind man's eyes. As if life ain't bad enough. Jesus is making a right scene and then he washes it off and the man can see for the first time in his life. And the locals are buzzing. They know this guy because they've given money to this guy for many years that he's been begging. Ain't that the... I'm sure that's... It is him. And the local religious leaders, the Pharisees, They get wind of this miracle that's happened and they're not happy about it because they don't get this guy, Jesus. They don't understand how this untrained, we don't even know where he's from, some backwater in Galilee kind of a guy. How can he be doing these things? Oh, and by the way, did you notice what he was doing? He was working on the Sabbath. He made mud. He made, he was making stuff. And then he healed a guy. Don't we all know that sinners don't work on sinners work on the Sabbath. And if this guy is a sinner, then this miracle calling the work of God, it must have come from Satan. Have you ever heard anything so disgusting in all your life? Calling the work of Jesus the work of the enemy. My goodness. <laughs> Asyneticus. Pharisees, these local rule keeping, Bible bashing custodians of Classineticus. They don't recognize the Messiah when he's standing in front of them. This is the context for today's scripture. What I love is when they question the man who was blind and now can see. They say, who is this man? He says, all I know is I was blind and a normal black country bloke. And his response is like, I ain't got a clue, mate. He says, all I know is I was blind and now I ain't. That's brilliant, isn't it? And then I love it because he gets a bit cocky with them. And they keep questioning him. And, and he says, why are you asking me again? You, you want me to tell the story again? Is it because you want to be one of his disciples, Pharisees? And at that point, they kick off and chuck him out. Funny, isn't it? I don't know who he is, but I was blind and now I'm not. There was a time that you didn't know who he was. You were blind, but now you're not. Amen. And You might be walking in spiritually blind to church this morning, but I really believe and I'm praying that our eyes, all of our eyes can be opened this morning now this is the context this is what Jesus was doing when he walked into talking about this statement this morning but before I get to the statement I am the gate have we got any first century shepherds in the place this morning? no? have we got any fans of BBC One's country file? yeah? yeah okay thank you for admitting it me too any more hands? amen amen alright who doesn't want to be a shepherd? alright before we can get to today's statement, we need to understand a few things about first-century shepherding. Is that okay? Okay, help, me, help this to not be boring, okay? So just keep smiling during this bit before we get to the good stuff. See, if you were a shepherd who shepherded your sheep near a village in first-century Judea, if you shepherded near a village, what you would have is you'd have in the local area a sheep fold. I think it might be, there it is, beautiful. You'd have a sheep fold, and a sheep fold would be a, a kind of like a, a little area uh, cordoned off by a dry stone wall that has already been pre-prepared. If you were shepherding your sheep uh, out in the wilderness and you weren't by a local village with a man-made sheepfold, you'd find yourself a little craggy cave in the rocks of Judea somewhere. And that could become a sheep, sheepy things, and then the night. And what would happen is this. When you've been out all day with your sheep doing sheepy things and then bringing them back in and you you need them to settle down for the night, what would happen is you, the shepherd, let me get this right. You, the shepherd, would go out in front of the sheep and you'd call out. And because your sheep know you very, very well because you've raised them and protected them and been kind to them and rescued them and put some on your shoulders and whatever else. Because you call out to them, they know you and they follow you. So when they hear the shepherd go, come on then, what they're hearing is, follow me. It's time to bed down. It's time for peace. It's time to settle down. And so you go, then you lead your sheep from wherever they've been grazing, whatever pastures you've led them to. They recognize your voice and they start to follow you. There's no sheep dogs rounding them up because they trust your voice. They just follow you and you go into the sheep fold. You go into the pen and the sheep follow uh, you into there. And as they go through, you know these sheep so well, you even know them by name. There's got to be a Sean, clearly but you know them by name and one after another they get counted in and you know exactly whether your sheep are all present or all not, but you get all your sheep in. But then here's the thing, really interesting thing with first century sheepfolds is most of the time there was not a physical door or gate on the sheepfold. Just one entry, no back door. The entry was the exit, the exit was the entry. Then The sheep physical gate and so what would happen is this. Once your sheep are in the sheepfold, you, the shepherd, take it upon yourself to become the gate. Do you hear me this morning? And so in order to make sure that your sheep are safe inside the pen, you lay down your own body across the entrance so that the sheep will not go out without your attention. But importantly, nothing that shouldn't be in there cannot come in. It's good, isn't it? And so the shepherd was literally the entrance. The shepherd was literally the gate. And this is cool because as long as the sheep could smell you, shepherd, they knew that they were safe. They knew that they were secure. They knew that they were looked after. But there's something prophetic and true in what I'm about to say. If the sheep could smell you, so could the threats on the outside of the sheepfold. And as long as you are the gate shepherd, any predator that wants to get to your sheep has got to come through you. And as long as your scent is around, no one is going to come near because you are the apex predator and you will have them. The shepherd became the gate. Cool. So now that we know that, can we hold such knowledge in mind as we listen to the words of Jesus? Is that okay? Take a look at the screen. We've got a few screens. You're going to be all right with like quite a few verses. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Amen. So we pick it up in John chapter 10. Remember the context, the Pharisees kicking off and all the rest of it, and now we know stuff about sheep. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens sheep by name. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has bought out all his own, he But they will never them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact... They will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate whoever enters through me will be saved they will come in and go out and find pasture the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I have come that they may have life and have it to the full you heard this last week from Vanessa I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep the hired hand He's not the shepherd and does the wolf and the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I love what he says here. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, I must bring them also. Do you know who he's talking about there? Anyone who's not a Jewish believer in Christ, he's talking about you right there. We are those who are the sheep. And then he says this, they too will listen to my voice. Anyone else responded to the voice of God? Hello? They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Thank you, Jesus. What is he this morning, church? He is the the gate. Freely laying his life down. Wow. Wow. What did Jesus want the Pharisees to know that day? And what does he want our hearts to be reminded of this day? Jesus doesn't say, I know a gate or I am a gate. He says, I am the gate. I am the gate, the gate to where? Well, if he's the shepherd, figuratively speaking, the sheepfold is the kingdom of heaven. He couldn't be clearer on this day. The kingdom of heaven, a place of eternal life, the place of sheer relationship with God in all his fullness. What was Jesus saying to the Pharisees? He was saying, those who trust in me, know my heart for them, have my love and my protection and they have food for their souls. That's what he's saying, amen. Come on now, church, get happy with me this morning. Those who follow me know my voice. They see me for who I am, their Saviour and Messiah. What else is he saying? He says, I'm the one that leads people in paths of righteousness. He says, my Father, the gatekeeper of heaven, has given me authority to be the shepherd of the sheep. Are you with me this morning? He says, I know each one by name, Pharisees. You even know half of these people. I know every one of my people by name. People enter heaven through me. I am their entry. I take it upon myself to be the gate. I make it my business to be the protector of their hearts and souls. And having entered the rest that I give, those who come to me have peace and security. This is what Jesus was claiming the day he said, I am the gate. Are you glad that he is the gate this morning? Can there be a witness in your spirit that starts to just worship God as you are reminded this morning that he is the gate? It's almost like Jesus is saying, look, let me spell out how salvation works. Let me spell it out. I am the way. What did he say? You know the Bible. I am the way and the life. No one comes to the Father except, what was the word? Through me. I am the gate. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why? Because he is the gate. He called us by name. We followed him and we trusted his voice. we learn in the sound of his voice. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of his light. We will now live led by the good shepherd in protection and to safe pasture. How is it made possible? Jesus, the shepherd, invites us to put our trust in him. This is how salvation works. He is him that is our, your eternal life and no other. When you accept Jesus as your shepherd, I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but when you accept Jesus as your shepherd, you are no longer outside of his protection. But if you are in, you are in. You're no longer outside of his protection. You have his leadership because he's a good shepherd. You have his devotion. You have his protection. You have his kindness. You have his mercy. And when this flesh finally fails one day, we will have him forever. No one can snatch that away. Is that good news this morning? Church, do you know that there has to be a gate on heaven's entry place? Do you know there has to be a gate? There has to be a gate. It can't be a free for all. We can't have people jump in the walls. There has to be a gate. Why does there have to be a gate? Because heaven is a place of pure perfection and paradise. There has to be a gate on that. Nothing less than perfect is allowed into such a place. There has to be a gate on the entry of heaven. Anything that is not pure cannot live Eternally in heaven. And there was a time where we had no chance of studies upon our lives. Our sin makes it impossible to stand before God. But when Jesus, God in flesh, laid down his own life by taking up the cross, he took all sin upon himself. Are you with me this morning? for any of us who receive the forgiveness of God to be made new, to be made clean, for sin to lose its power he became the gate we accept him for who he is and he allows us into his eternal presence we're talking of holy things this morning church The Apostle Paul has a really good crack at explaining this. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 19 to 22, Paul says it like this. He says, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he hear that, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, our hearts spring with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled, what's the word? clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water are you glad this morning are there any christians in this place today i said are you glad this morning sprinkled clean and washed pure heaven is not our right and our privilege it is his gate and that he would call us and we heard his who he wants And we are here privileged that he would be our gate and that he would call us and we heard his voice and we stepped through. I don't know if anyone wants to respond in worship this morning. God, you're so good, so lovely, so pure, so merciful. I should give my life to you, God. Wow. I don't know if you've got a garden gate. I don't know if you've got a gate that kind of seals off the front of your house from your back garden. But if someone tried to jump your gate, would you be happy about it? No. Gates have a purpose. Gates have a reason to exist. The purpose of any gate is to allow entry to anyone who has permission to enter and to keep out anyone who does not have permission to enter. Hello? Trespassing. As we forgive. Reminds me of the Lord's Prayer, hey? Forgive us our... As we forgive those who trespass against us. You need to know if you have permission or not to step through a gate. If you are invited to pass through and you accept the invitation, then you are welcome to walk through the gate. And from Jesus himself today, to come to know him and to find rest for your soul and power for your days here on earth. Jesus is inviting you to know him as your Lord and Saviour. I'm all these people's gates, but I'm also your gate. Here's the invitation. Do you want to accept it? Jesus being the gate means there is no other way to God except through Jesus. There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus. Someone needs to hear this this morning because you're... You've got all your religions mixed up and so let me help you out. Entrance to eternal life is not, is not found by doing good works to increase your karma, to better your chances of eternal life with God. That's not how it works. Reaching enlightenment in the way of the Buddha is not going to get you eternal life. Someone needs to hear that this morning. Having your life weighed and then decided in some mystical way whether you're in or you're out is not the way to heaven this morning. Jesus said... I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me because he is the, the gate. I want to encourage you this morning. Jesus wants you to be with him forever. If you're listening online, Jesus wants you to be with him forever. He loves you so passionately. And if we don't know Jesus as our shepherd, you might know me, into Christians and non-Christians this morning, right? If we don't know Jesus as our shepherd, you might know him as your saviour. But if he ain't your shepherd this morning, can I encourage you that you are out in a wilderness called life. And you need to be brought into the safety of his care. I want to let you know that there is a place called everlasting life. The kingdom of heaven. And you can know him today. Can we just bow our heads for a second? if you find yourself in church today and you've been dabbling by kind of hanging around this sheepfold called Amblecote Community Church this is a great sheepfold but there's only one shepherd and you might have walked through the physical doors of this building but you can walk into eternal life not by the preachers of this church not by its programs but by Jesus the one who's centre of this place And the way you do that is eternal life. Allowing your heart to respond to what you are hearing, which is Jesus is the only way to eternal life. And in humility, you allow your heart to respond, Jesus, I want to follow you. I recognize my need for you, Jesus. Thank you for laying down your life for me, Jesus. Thank you, God, for sending your son to shine a light on my sin, but also to sprinkle me and make me pure so that I don't have to fear being on the outside of your presence, but I can be brought close. God, I need you. If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you, not with my words, but with the words of the Bible that says, when you put your hope in Jesus, when you repent and you turn from sin and say, I want to live clean and in the light of Christ, this is what happens. The Father sends the Spirit, the child of God, into your heart so that you know you're a child of God. So if you're in this place this morning, You've never said yes to Jesus. Know this. When your heart says yes to him, his heart is yes and amen to you. And he is with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you've been praying such prayers, thinking such thoughts in the last few moments, can I encourage you to speak to Vanessa or Tim, or Tim, Jeopard, help you on your journey with a good shepherd amen amen as i was preparing i was thinking lord is there anything uh is there a prophetic something that you'd like me to share and um i've been very very much reminded of an incident that i had with a gate as a six-year-old would you like to hear about it all right it's got nothing to do with sheep although there were sheep on the next field so it kind of relates so I'm what am I, year one Roberts Primary School in Gornal, promised land, Middle Earth and it's break time or lunch time this one particular day and our playground uh, had a, a gate in the middle of a wall and the other side of the wall there was like a country kind of like path, do you remember it? down to Blackberry Walk. And um, at the time that I was a kid, a six-year-old at Roberts Primary School, there was a scary stray dog that used to run up and down that path. And he used to growl at the kids at lunchtime and break times. And we used to find it hilarious to wind this dog up because he couldn't get to us. right? And then this one day, I, I noticed some older kids were sticking their head through the gate and, um, and it looked fun. And they were putting their head back through the gate and it looked kind of interesting. So I wandered over all by myself and, and I thought, I'm going to have a go at sticking my head through the gate. So I stuck my head through the gate, no problem. Little did I know that skinny little six-year-old Pete had a fat head, <laughs> right? And so I tried to pull my head back through and my lug holes ain't letting me get back through And I'm like, oh, no. That scary dog comes up and down here. I'm going to lose my face. And I started to get really nervous. And I can remember my heart pounding really, really fast, thinking, I'm going to die. What is going on? What's going on? And then it struck me that, actually, my body is thinner than my fat head. And I can get through this gate. So what I'll do is to get a bit of relief is I'll put myself through the whole gate. So my head's that side. My body's this side. And I I put myself through the gate, and I'm in one piece again. The problem is I'm on the other side of the playground, and now I am not just head exposed but fully exposed to the scary dog. right? And I'm really worried, and I start to call out to a teacher, and I can't remember if it was a teacher or a dinner lady, but they come over, and they're laughing at me, and they're going, what have you done that for? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why I've done that. I don't know what I've done that for. And thankfully, they had the keys for the big old padlock, and they opened the gate, and I made it back through to the playground, and I lived to tell the tale. 27 years later, or whatever it is. I was so scared. And I was like, Lord, why have you brought that trauma back? (laughs) I'm going to read it word for word, because I spent time writing this, as I felt inspired and memorised it. I just felt like the Lord. I wanted to say there's someone here this morning who is saved. Jesus is your Lord, and you are in the kingdom. You know the eternal security of Jesus and are thankful that you are not abandoned to face the enemy alone. Yet recently, you've been looking at those outside the kingdom and become curious. You've started sticking your head through the fence, doing things that aren't of the kingdom. And finding yourself stuck. In fact, thoughts have turned to actions, and you're not in the place you want to be. You're vulnerable in a way that you wish you weren't, and scared you've given the enemy a foothold. You're free, but you're not secure. The Lord would have you know this morning that if you call, He will hear, and He will make His way to you like a shepherd leaving 99 to go after the one. He opens the gate with joy. Even laughter as fear turns to relief. What did you do that for? You may have a reason. You may not. Either way, you've learned your lesson. And this morning, enjoy the relief that comes with repentance. He is the gate. He is your shepherd. He is your friend. He is your saviour. He is the Lord. Amen. Once again, let's just bow our heads. I'm not going to drag this out. But if... What I've just said just, man, rings like a bell in your heart and mind right now. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. Will you just look up at me so I know who I'm praying for this morning? Bless you. Bless you. Father, I just want to thank you that you are the gate, and you are the gatekeeper, and you are not selfish, you are not brutal to us. You are so kind, so merciful, and so willing. And Father, in repentance, we recognize we want you to adjust our course again, Lord God. Thank you, Father, that you forgive us and your mercies are new every morning. And we boldly approach you, not because of what we've done, but because of what you've done. And we stand in victory and with joy. Father, for my friends this morning, I pray that there would be absolute relief and a desire to chase after you and your voice more than ever. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you, church. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Amblecote Community Church. For more information about who we are, what we believe, and how you can get involved, check out our website, amblecotecc.org.uk.